Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. We've got the return of the insect arachnid bug men with some sequel news. <laughs> and we have some amazing left field surprise announcements from HBO Max in the form of Green Lantern and Strange Adventures. So much comments and dive in and comics to dive into that I cannot say words. I am very excited. Guys, Spider-Verse, I can't, like, words aren't going to happen today. But joining us on this wordless show is the great Ben Bateman. How you doing, man? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this. I, I grew up as the biggest comic book fan in the whole world, so getting to be on a show called Heroes, this is... This is a big deal. It big deal right. for me. We always break into like crazy Spider-Verse news. Yes, and right. We, we talked about doing the show before this news broke. So it felt very fitting that Spider-Verse is why you're here. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, you came on the show, uh, Action Movie Anatomy, that I do talking about Spider-Verse when it came out. And uh, I, I love that movie. It's one of the one of the best movies I've seen in the last couple of years. So this is a success. This is big news today, though. I mean, yeah. There's a lot oh, of there's different so stuff. There's so much content. Huge, huge stuff. So thanks yeah, this, for having me. This is episode 330, and it is, of course, the wow. 5th of November, which you must remember, remember, yeah. which is a comic book. Remember that. Also Graphic history, novel. but comic the, book. Guy Fox. Strong. Now, <laughs> we're going to kick it off, I think, with Spider-Verse because that's the story that I'm, I'm flummoxed about uh, because it came out of nowhere. I, we hadn't heard Did rumblings. It? Well, we knew the movie was happening, but I didn't hear, like, announcement soon. I didn't see Sony doing any, like, sort of sneakiness where they usually drop, like, a... a you notice on social media, a lot of times when movies so like, a behind-the-scenes photo or, like, remember that, and they, like, wake up their social media accounts, ah. like Deadpool's currently doing, perhaps... Tying into something soon. Now, it's like when, a snooze button for a yeah, while. Yeah, they're like, like by yeah. the way, five but more by minutes. By the time this really happens, be awake. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So I've noticed that. Subtle. Now, this was, to me, out of nowhere. We knew Spider-Verse 2, we assumed. And we uh, had last week the, the, the conversation with uh, Peter B. Parker there. Uh, Jack, what's his name? Johnson. Not Jack Johnson. That's a singer. Jack Johnson. He sings Jake like Johnson. Him. Jake Johnson. There, there it is. Go. Jake Johnson was talking about how we wanted to come back. And then mere days later, we are back with Spider-Verse 2. How excited are you guys? Very. I'm totally excited for this movie. I think that there's a major difference, though, with the expectation going into this first one and the second one, right? So the first one, I think there was excitement. There was general excitement that there was just going to be this, like, animated movie and, like, would this be successful? And I mean, I certainly remember at Comic-Con doing press for this movie. Like, uh, I didn't take it seriously like I'm going to take the sequel seriously, sure. if you, you know what I mean. Like, well, you didn't know what you were sitting down for. And as it turns out, it was Spider-Verse, like a world-changing masterpiece. I don't want to hyperbolize, but... Right, it's like, oh, we're going to do interviews with, you know, Shamik. He plays the, the Miles Morales. And it's like, okay, that's exciting, but it's an animated movie. Versus now, it's like, this is the 
maybe best superhero. I mean, it's hard to say that, but this is one of the best comic book movies ever made. The yeah, first it's one. the best Spider-Man movie. And this is coming from the guy that's getting a Spider-Man tattoo. Like Spider-Man's <laughs> my guy. And I watch Spider-Verse as a generally more live action fan than animation going, oh, they did the thing that I thought was impossible. I'm, I'm more on board for this animated take. And that's no disrespect to animation. It's just I, it transcended what I thought was possible. Here's my question for y'all. Yeah. Because we did know this was coming because of like, right before the movie came out, there was like buzz and they were like, here's, we're, we're, we're already looking at a sequel. We're looking at a spinoff. We're looking at all this stuff. Um, and I had kind of forgotten <laughs> that we have a director for this and it is not uh, the three directors of the first movie. Yeah. It's Joaquin Dos Santos from Avatar Last Airbender and a bunch mm. of other great stuff. Now... I remember at the time not having a strong opinion. I was like, cool, they've got a different guy lined up for the sequel. I'm so glad they have confidence. But that was before I fell madly in love with this very specific movie. <laughs> right, of Are course. we still as happy? Is it unfair to be, like, worried now when we weren't worried before? Uh, I, I think I'm, I, like, I'm, I'm on board with whatever decision makers made that first one happen, and I hope they're the same people who made this happen, and that therefore my trust can filter down the pipeline in that way. I hope the producers are the same. I hope it's the same team with maybe a new director. I just I want the taste of the first one back. I think there's a reason that Pixar has hit so many home runs. I think that putting together a, an animated film, uh, the, the level of control that you have over it is different. Um, mm-hmm. This is why you have two or three directors in so many of those movies, and so many of the people involved who wore so many hats. Mm-hmm. You know, the one guy that's the art director on the earlier one directs the later film, uh, and I think there's an understanding there. So. Change in director for me doesn't it doesn't make me think that the film is going to come out too differently. Mm. The kind of coverage, for instance, you need to get to make an animated film is just so different. You're not mm-hmm. flying out A-list actors for shoot days. You know, you get most of what you need, the voice recordings, and then you fix a lot of it without actually having to deal with the cast because a lot of it's visual. So, sure. for my money, I think it's going to be just as good, um, in, at least in that sense. Um, my only question is, can they? Will they know how to capture the magic? From the first movie, because the first movie was such a pleasant surprise. I'm glad they have time. I'm glad the date is 2022. I'm I mean, glad. Animation, everything takes a thousand I can't even years. Yeah, also, <laughs> like, they don't have a choice but to take time. But when they're developing this movie, I think they know the expectations are so high because the first one had moderate expectations because it's a Spider-Man movie. No matter what, it's a Spider-Man movie. But now you're right, it's a different animal. But I think they know that. And I think that Lord and Miller being involved in this, they're going to be investing everything. And I think even the first one, they changed some titles around during production. Mm. Like they changed writer versus producer, director. Like things shifted. So I'm not as worried about the director thing because of, like you said. Uh, But I am worried that the incredible visual leaps, our brains are, we've seen that now. So I hope they don't try to, to reinvent the wheel while they're right. trying to capture that magic. I can live in Spider-Verse. Like, they can just make Spider-Verse the crazy, technological, impressive thing the first one was and tell a new story. I don't need it to reinvent the wheel again because they did that. But I also don't want them to try and, like, have it be too much. So that's interesting. Your first fear is that they will try to iterate things forward again and it won't work and that will hurt the final product. Yeah. Where I think it would be a reasonable fear to say Spider-Verse did something new and that was part of it. Uh, I, I would, it would make sense if you saw that and was like, the next thing I see from this team, I want it to be another step further. I want it to be another surprise. Um, I think I too would show up for the safe repeat of the first one, but that seems like 
It seems like doing them a disservice to be like, cool, 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 you broke down all of this stuff. Like, just do exactly that again because that's not the attitude that got us Spider-Verse. Well, I think, like, going to the Spider-Gwen universe and, like, having those that animation style we briefly saw would be incredible. I think going, I think the idea of doing different animation styles in all the different verses is what we'll get from the sequel, and I think that will be both of the things we're saying. It'll be both newly inventive, but it's also not going to be trying to be like, look at this crazy thing where we change styles because now that's what Spider-Verse is, and I love that about it. I want them to just have a, a globe-trotting or, or verse-trotting uh, adventure movie where each one looks different, but I, I really hope they don't bite off more than they can chew because it's a sequel. Like, The Matrix hurts me. Like, I don't want Reloaded Revolutions to happen to my Spider-Man. So I, I'm okay with treading. Do you know what I hope for? That Nick Cage is coming back. I it's mean, the, come on! <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's probably the single thing that I'm the most excited <laughs> for. I, like, but how uh, do you justify that in the world of just, like, go visit to them for a sec? Uh, fine, go... I don't care. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's a valid answer. <laughs> like, find a way to get Nick Cage, find a way to get Nick Cage back involved. Like, that's what, <laughs> you need to see, he's just, he's, he's the best thing. Seeing him in that role was just so wonderful for me. Uh, I mean, I'm halfway kidding, but like, I really do hope Nick Cage comes back. Aww. Even if we just all go to the noir world and they're the only ones in color and the noir people have to deal with the fact that they're so brightly colored, like, there's a movie. <laughs> I'm in. I want him in the Rubik's Cube just sitting in a corner. Like, I'll watch that movie. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, like, I, I think no matter what, and also that's a great thing about a sequel with this array of characters is we're already invested what was so magical about the first one is they gave us five spider-man and like seven villains and we were somehow like yeah that all works yeah. we're already in for the five so if they add like two or three that's less world building but we're still gonna have like eight spider yeah i don't know yeah. if they can reassemble that whole team guys i think they might have to let some of those folks be cameos or bonus material uh i i'm preparing like because you you can't just be it's not like they formed the x-men they had stories they found closure and they went their separate ways right, right, like right. yes i want to see all those people again i want to see spider-ham but what villain do we want? Mm. Well, it's I think this is one of the weirdest details, right? Because now with there being so much Spider-Man related IP being developed all simultaneously, That's it's a, like yeah. you, you want to talk to me about like any of the really good villains from like the eighties or the nineties or two thousands, like anybody from Morbius to Craven, and it's like well, there's a well, Morbius movie coming 3, out. Yeah. We, have, <laughs> we have a Venom sequel coming out. We've already seen that Carnage is going to be in it. And, you know, like they've explored so much of that already that to, to make it really unique. I mean, I would say Morbius. That that would be the one right offhand. But okay. they're developing a freaking Morbius movie right now. I don't I don't want to see Morbius in this and then have Jared Leto's Morbius like the next year or whatever that is. Yeah, you know, I want a visual villain that suits animation. So I was thinking mm. Spot. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. as a side villain. Like, not as sure, the main villain. Sure. But if there's a villain that I want to see animated, not live action, it's Spot. That's I think I think he'd be really cool, because I think it would also tie into the verse, like, using portals and all that jazz. Um, go real goofy. The big wheel. Ooh. I am not serious. Uh, but Night's I rational. would watch it. I also think, though, that one of the really interesting things, and I know we're just harping on this movie so much because it's the most exciting, but, just <laughs> to, but I think one of the most interesting things about this movie and, and this is that you can use the different styles of animation. And Spider-Man and some of those Spider-Man villains are so tied to these famous artists. So John sure. Romita Jr., like, yes. you know, his very, very, uh, you know, that kind of tall and lanky look that so many of his characters have. You know, if you bring in a version of a villain, um, you know, who, who is it? St. Kevich's Kingpin. Yeah, St. Kevich's Kingpin. Who's the, who did the old... Uh, the, the the Craven art from the eighties is it's Mike Zach or he's the writer? Uh, I oh, off the top of my head, Craven's I'm just not going to come. Craven's last hunt, um, yeah. It's not Mike Zach. Is it Mike Zach? Because uh, Demetrius uh, Demetrius wrote it. 
So yeah. it might be Mike Zack. Yes, Mike Zack. Yeah, I think it's Mike Zack. And those Thanks. very distinctive portrayals of certain characters to bring in that character in that art style to me is like something when I think about that that's like, okay, that's a, that's a really, really cool way to make these characters sing and be very unique. And I think that's cool. The ultimate Spider-Man Green Goblin that yes. was Mark Bagley inspired in this plus Sienkiewicz's the dichotomy of that. Exactly. I'd love to see like a, a LaRocca, uh, like, you know, the broad painting style or like, you know, like a, like a Steve Scrose or like one of those like extreme styles like mapped through. That'd be incredible. Right. Okay, I, that is exactly the direction I hope they go in with all this. I will say my last note on, on this one would be, now that we have a lot of time to prep for the next movie, this is sort of a smaller thing that, like, there's not a lot of room for it in being wildly excited for this movie because I'm already in line for it. But I have some friends with photosensitivity issues with epilepsy mm. who had a real hard time with the first movie, and it didn't have a warning on it. Um, so I hope that as they have time to work on this, they are figuring out the best ways to use all of their visual style, but ideally make the movie slightly more accessible. I believe in you, Spider-Verse people. You can do it. And no matter what, it'll have a warning. I'm sure now, this it, time. I hope so. Uh, and I want Eric Larson-style Spider-Man voiced by Andrew Garfield. <gasps> now, we also got announced... <laughs> that's right. I see it. I hear it. I want to talk about Ant-Man 3. <laughs> we got another insect movie coming out. Insect Man Part 3, I want this movie to be Wasp and Ant-Man raising our first Young Avenger. I want this to be <laughs> Cassie Lang as Stature. I want this to tie into the Young Avengers. Of all of the characters in the current MCU, there's only two that I see as parents, and that are these two. I want that movie. What do you guys think Ant-Man 3 is going to be? Well, I feel like you you got to do something with the fact that you have Lawrence Fishburne. That's uh, <laughs> true. You, you, like, you've got an Ant-Man family going on here. It's right there. Uh, I, obviously, I really hope that, like, it, whatever they're calling this next movie, I would expect the trend of Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly as co-leads to continue. Mm-hmm. I would be disappointed if that's not the case. Obviously, I want stature. Obviously, I want Young Avengers. But uh, I would expect more, like, they have this rich supporting cast. Your third movie is when you let a bunch of them shine and do things. It's worked out uh, pretty well. And so, yeah, that's the vibe I would expect. I mean, I think, so you mentioned Young Avengers, and that's exciting. Because I do remember reading the very first issues of Young Avengers when they came out, right? And is, is it Alan Heinberg wrote those? Yep, Alan Heinberg and Sean, right? yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, like, I love the art style. I, I like, just love that feel. Because obviously he comes from the OC. It felt a little bit like the OC meets the Marvel Universe, totally. right? That's, when I read those, I remember telling him that, and like, it, being so excited about it. And uh, if we did get that feeling in the MCU, I think that's a great direction. I think my issue with this movie when I think about it is that we had all this build up to Endgame. So now that we're in the next phase and we're using these sequels, it's like, am I going to be as invested in Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly? Am I going to care as much? Because I feel like the, the big thing that they were a part of the story leading up to, it's already happened. Like, mm. I, don't, I don't know how much I necessarily need Ant-Man 3 as part of this next phase. I mean, maybe they'll show me something that I didn't expect, but the sequels, it's really, really difficult for these sequels to stand on their own and to make an impact. Yeah. I mean, as you see what happened with um, Far From Home, which I really liked, but a lot of people have just talked about like it was just kind of like, Eh, right? A lot of people don't like that movie. Mm. I'd like a non-Spider-Man Iron Man Jr., personally. Like, I'm really hoping Spider-Man 3 is the de-Ironmanification of Peter Parker. So, yeah. like, there are things that bother me about Far From Home. I liked it overall, but I would like this next phase to separate itself a bit. And I think there's more pressure on these sequels than there were Phase 3 sequels. Phase 3 sequels were building to a thing, and it was kind of this this rush, this cumulative effort. Whereas now it's the end game has happened. What will these be, and will people be turning out in the same droves? It'll make money, so- but, like... To me, the proof of concept for an Ant-Man 3 working is that uh, Ant-Man 2 was essentially a fun adventure that you did not really need for anything. You needed literally a post-credit scene. I, that's all like, you need. That's the title. That, that's, they, so they've already sort of... These movies, I have felt like, 
neither benefited from nor suffered from the opportunities or pressure of being necessary building blocks to getting to the thing. They're already doing their own thing. And it's not a thing that's for everybody. They don't do as well as some of the others. But they still do well, and they're fun, and people like them. Uh, So in that sense, if those actors are available and you've got something interesting to do with them, I don't think it's going to set off my, but you completed this saga already, which I think is a valid question. But I think Ant-Man 3 can work because it's just more of this corner of the world that was already really living in its own bubble. Like, as, as important as Ant-Man was to Endgame, obviously, I still think, like, we can have that stuff live in its own place. I do think, you know, I had a big, long conversation about this whole topic sort of of the post-Endgame uh, sequels. Yeah. And right now, because we're, we're in this, like, lull period. That, yeah. And, and Marvel's very aware of the fact that as fans, there is a bit of a fatigue. Like, there's, a lot of people have major, major MCU fatigue. It's not going to take much. It's really not. It's going to take the introduction of the Fantastic Four or mm-hmm. the X-Men or the dangling of Doctor Doom and, and it being cast with somebody right great. Back. And all of a sudden, people are going to get so hyped. We're all going to be talking about it. And then any of these sequels can have seven minutes of movie that directly references whether it is Doctor Doom or it is somebody else as the next big bad. And then these movies all start to seem relevant. But I, I do think that the idea of the Young Avengers is a really smart one. It's probably a place that we do need to go because otherwise... I mean, obviously Downey is already out and Evans is already out, but it's not going to take very long for most of the rest of these actors. I mean, I hate to say it, but like Don Cheadle, you could start, you saw his age in the last movie. Really, you did. It was, it was a distinct difference between the early phases of Don Cheadle and the MCU. And if you have those characters that are at that age in their careers, actors, mm. you're casting new young leads. That difference, it's too noticeable. It's not sure. like comic books where, where Bruce Wayne is perpetually 32 years old for 100 years. You, know? like you, yeah. don't get, you can't do that. If you're going to keep in the same universe and promoting these things, you do have to start from a new place. So I think the Young Avengers might be a really smart way to do that. And I think tying it into Disney+, Plus, that gives you the opportunity to grow the characters on the streaming service then put them in movies when they're done. And we you fell do... really in love with this concept, especially when Kate Bishop showed up. And... Yeah, right. So Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, you assemble your Avengers on Disney+, Plus, and then you have your event movie be the Young Avengers, and I think that's going to be the sneaky Phase 5 Avengers event movie. I think it might be an Avengers that is young. Whether they call it that or not, we'll see. But I think that's what I... To me, the Sandman 3 announcement is the hope of stature, which is furthering my Young Avengers theory. But time will tell. As long as we have Michael Pena, it has my money. Yeah. That's yeah. all that matters. That's and please make our friend Hector happy by giving him a suit. Please. Yes, that's a great <laughs> thread online. Check out Twitter. Hector and I had a whole, a whole barrage. Now, without the next thing, these movies don't exist. And that is, of course, the comic book poll list. What do we got this week? There is stuff coming in, and the first of it is... All right, put this on your list. It's getting all the buzz. Corey, what do we have up first? Undiscovered Country number one. The team behind this book are some of my favorite comic creators. I've been looking forward to this book for like six months, uh, and I know nothing about it except the creator, so I'm in. Yeah, an original graphic novel coming up your way from Matt Fraction and Elsa Chartier. November, a part one. The hardcover's out this week. A reprint of a book I somehow missed that I thought was an original till I read the word reprint. And that is, of course, Luther, which I've never read. No wrong time to read a classic comic. Or reboot one, I guess, because New Mutants number one is next on our list because I couldn't resist it and I'm a sucker. And what is an X-Men book without an X-Force book to run alongside it? That's right, X-Force number one is out. But while we're on the pull list, I gotta say, you know what I realized this week? I'm gonna fight you, Corey. 30 years of X-Men before X-Force gets embedded. But was it? Yeah, there was. Now, (laughs) the first book out of this new lineup was X-Men. The next book out of this lineup was Marauders. The next book was Excalibur. And now we have New Mutants. What does that spell? X-Men. How crazy is that? Look at that. I just, right... You were, did blown. you see that at your store? Because it blew my mind. No! I, I just... Sorry. Sorry to my mic. Sorry to all of you. 
They Toy spelled, has killed me. They spelled Please out talk X-Men. while I recover. I'm just saying. I'm Pretty unbelievable. I, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't read. Uh, I haven't read a New Mutants book in a while. I haven't read a certainly haven't read an X Force book in a while. And obviously, so much attention, so much attention on X Force recently now with with right. Liefeld and Deadpool and all that. Uh, I'll, I'll have a hard time ever really getting away though from those early X Force books. Not because they're good, they really aren't. <laughs> but like, just it's so distinctive that old Liefeld style. The nineties. Yeah, I mean the cheekbones, the giant guns, the women's hips that are like bigger than the guns, and like <laughs> stuff that's so anatomically incorrect. But and like, every villain was just extreme. Yeah, right. And it's just, and then just images, just literally like all those characters just again. So, you know. And X Force with Rick Remender that came back was incredible. Like, X Force has had a very interesting trajectory. It'll, yeah. It'll, I think this book will do well, but there's also a book that I think will do well. And we sat down with his writer last week. Jackson Lansing was fantastic. I want to show you guys this clip. Is it weird for you, who's you've been in the comics game a long time, which is a tangible medium, right. to be writing something that is so digital and it takes place in a digital platform as produced by Michael B. Frickin' Jordan? Is it a different animal when you're making something like this than, say, Green Arrow? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also not at all. So uh, the, the, there are two real distinct differences here. One is just what the source material is. So with Green Arrow, it's... <laughs> dozens and dozens of years of comics that I've loved and read. Um, and that's a character that I care for and, and really know and want to dig down into, right? Uh, and so that's the IP. That's the the pre-existing uh, uh, content. And then I'm going to go into that and I'm going to find what I think is interesting. Or really, genuinely, I'm going to find what Colin and I think is interesting. Imagine there's like an invisible guy here. I, yeah, half Colin, of my, Colin Kelly, this, yeah, Colin Kelly is like the other half of my brain. We do everything together. So assume that... Would you uh, use the giant robot? Um, Ooh, that's the question. Good question. I'm going to bring that up to him next time we're on. We'll have a, we we can do a debate about it. Okay. Yes. yes. So, I want that show. On it. Uh, <laughs> so that's really the only real distinction here in terms of like the source material side is just I had to watch it on Rooster Teeth. <laughs> That's yeah. all. That's the only distinction. Like I, 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 went, I had to go on the internet and watch it, as opposed to sitting there with a book and reading it. There's nothing more or less uh, tangible about that to me, just because I work in film and television, so I'm kind of used to the script being the tangible medium. If mm. it ever comes about, then that's a, a, an extra blessing. That's a, a wonderful thing that happened. Oh, mm. the thing got made. Um, but the only, the only time you ever really know you're going to get made is when you're working in comics. You're writing that thing. It's a 98% chance it's going to get printed, and that's exciting. Um, on the other side of this, though, it's a digital first comic. So Jackson is fantastic, and he is co-writing that book with Colin Kelly. I uh, didn't know what Rooster Teeth, Rooster. <laughs> it was one of the first times I was like, "Am I old?" Uh, Rooster I'm something. Sure you know people who work on these things. But I, we do lose track of the names at some point. Uh, it was yeah. cool to hear about a digital property translating the comic and then like back and forth. And I love that we're living in an age of media where this is all succeeding because it's all interconnected. So it was really yeah. cool to hear about that process, even though it made me feel 87. And then the Genlock show is going to be coming to HBO Max, which yeah. is apparently scooping up all kinds of interesting stuff. What a great tangent, HBO Max. Perhaps we should talk about Green Lantern. What, what, what? Guys, we're talking... In, in greatest power of night, I forgot the speech. I am having wordlessness in today. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil Thanks. shall escape my, my sight. Let those who worship evil's <laughs> might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Is what Berlanti has been saying every night before he goes to bed. Because Greg Berlanti is making a Green Lantern show for HBO Max. I have some concerns, but overall hype. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts first before I say my piece. Lanty has infinite levels of uh, rope for me for so many reasons, but <laughs> Love, Simon was my favorite movie just a couple years ago, yeah. and uh, he's unbelievable. He does such a good job with that, and, and uh, Lanty just like just the, the sheer amount of, of great stuff that he's come out with, I have a lot of faith in this show. I am curious, though, do we know necessarily which Lantern we we're going to see? We do not. He said we can't tell you more about that yet, and to me, that sounded like 
a non-Hal choice. Yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting, isn't it? Like, uh, I, I think it, we saw the face plant with, with, you know, with Ryan, obviously. Which he and, technically and, co-wrote. Yeah. You know, and so I guess the question there is, like, would you be satisfied with any of the other, like, classic lanterns? Like, if this was a Kyle Rayner movie or if this was a, if this was a John Stewart show. I think it's John sorry, Stewart, I mean but I want Kyle Rayner, and yeah. I would take a buddy cop Kyle Rayner, John Stewart. I think it might be a buddy cop show because the script we heard rumors about was a buddy cop script. I'd love to see, like, Two lanterns. I'd love to see. It's a show. You've got time. And right. I like, I miss buddy cops. So I kind of want like it's space cop buddy cop. I love Hal. I, I would enjoy watching that, but I think making someone else the center of it might like, I, 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 I don't know. I guess my immediate excitement was for, I will accept a non Hal version. It'll be weird if he's not in the story somewhere. Uh, and I would get that that might be a bitter pill for folks who have been waiting for like a real live action how no offense intended to the people who worked very hard on that movie. Ryan's uh, real. <laughs> but uh, not anymore after Deadpool finishes with him. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really curious where they're going with this, but there's a lot of energy in the Green Lantern universe as we've seen. There have been yeah. a ton of amazing Green Lanterns. Um, and the most exciting thing for me is that Berlanti in presenting this at just – Elephant in the room. We did an entire episode about the streaming wars <laughs> last week because I was like, this seems like a good time to just do a survey. Yeah. And then the episode went up like while this press conference was happening. So we haven't had a chance to talk about it. We were streaming about streaming wars while a streaming announcement about a streaming service was streaming. And I just want to <laughs> give credit to the universe for thank you for that. Thanks. Thank you for uh, we didn't know. Thanks. <laughs> this is one of three DC shows that's coming that are coming to HBO Max, which I'm very excited about. But what I really my the thing I hooked into and loved from this announcement was Berlanti saying we are going to space and I took that to mean not like HBO's going to space but like Berlanti being like I've spent all this time helping shepherd this giant DC universe and here's what we haven't gotten to do so I I feel like we're getting Kilowog we're potentially getting Chip we're getting Oa like I don't know how much of those we'll see in what form and how much that'll cost but like every I'm willing to negotiate on basically all the other details literally including who is Green Lantern it's so interesting because with these comic book properties, when they go and they adapt them into film or television, ultimately, I mean, it's not like Watchmen, where Watchmen is just this, its own thing. So if you're going to make Watchmen the show, you have this one piece of source material. You have this movie that was, you know, at least somewhat polarizing. But Green Lantern or Batman or any of these, you have so many years of stories with yeah. so many different, right? And so, like, with Green Lantern, going back to, like, the Neil Adams stuff with, mm-hmm. like, him and, and, you know, and, like, Green Arrow back in the 70s up until, like, that stuff in the 90s, the Zero Hour that's, like, debatably good. Some people really love it. Some people think it's not great. And then Rebirth, obviously, is, like, this big story that was really, really fantastic. Yeah. Like, where are you going to draw from? Is it, is it going to be, uh, you know, one of these classic stories that every fan is, like, I need to see this on screen? Or are you just going to take the thing and write your own thing and make it unique and different? Even the current Grand Morrison Liam Sharp run, which is fantastic, is so space copy that I could see him pulling from that, and it's brand new. Like, the book is running right now. It's 12, 13 yeah, issues. Yeah, it's just gone into, also out this week. This week was packed, y'all. Uh, the Dark Stars, Black Stars. Uh, yes. That book that is replacing it for a second while shenanigans ensue is going on right now. So even current books, the most current of books, I could see that being a source of, of pulling uh, for the show. My concerns, now now that we've, we've had our piece... I really respect Berlanti. I like the shows he builds. I like all of those things. I don't necessarily want a Green Lantern show in the same tone of the CW. I don't necessarily want something that fits in that universe. Exactly. Like Flash or Arrow? Uh, Flash, Arrow, Batwoman, uh, Supergirl. I don't want that. Okay. I would like a... I like that comics are soap operas, but there is a different tone of soap opera that I think Green Lantern falls into. While I'm trying to not... 
I'm not speaking ill of the CW shows. That's not what this is. I just want something new. But the and things I they think, do well are not the things you want from a Green Lantern show. Correct. Okay. So I think that while Berlanti has all of this talent, I hope that using the HBO flat platform means it's a different tone of show because I, I, we've got like seven of those. And frankly, I'd like to see something new. And I hope the budget's higher because it's a space show. And I hope that it's something that is a bit more comic-driven instead of team-driven, personally. I think the reality of this is most people who are going to watch this show, it's an HBO show about Green Lantern, they're going to go in expecting HBO quality content. They're going right. to expect, right? And like the reality of it is like you ask a movie fan who's never watched one of those CW shows, who wasn't part of the zeitgeist of watching all of them and being part of that universe, and you're like, hey, do you watch any of those CW superhero shows? And they're like, what? I watched, <laughs> I watched True Detective season one. That's a good show. Those are nonsense teen shows. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not saying that's my opinion, but that, if you have never invested in that world, the audience they're looking at, you're, it's not, that is not on the same level for people right. as like that premium content quality television. Now, I think a lot of those shows are very entertaining and I'm a big Riverdale fan and I really like that world a lot, but like I'm expecting this show to feel distinctly different. I, in fact, if it felt anything like a CW show, it would feel like it was on the wrong network. I agree. Don't put this on HBO if that's what you're going to give me. Other side note, place. If that's if you are interested in teens having feelings, they literally announced a show called DC Superhero High that Elizabeth Banks is executive producing, which is going to be teen DC heroes having feelings, but on HBO. I have so many questions. I'm on board for all of it. I would love if all three shows feel very different because we, we haven't gotten to the other one yet. We also have another show, which is Strange Adventures, which is an anthology series. We're going to dive into that in a second, but I want to I get this Green Lantern point. Uh, <laughs> I hope what it is is them having basically a... $200 million eight-hour movie, and I hope it's not cliffhangery. I hope it's like a one cohesive thing because it's yeah. HBO. I would love if Watchmen is the inspiration tonally for something like this, using the HBO buzz, the HBO clout, all of those things, because I've wanted a Green Lantern movie to be right for years, and this announcement has me both very hype and very worried because if it's more CW tone, I'm worried we won't get a Green Lantern movie for five years, but I love The Flash. I love all the things. It's the potato scale. I think the CW is curly fries. I want this to be a baked potato. I want some certain <laughs> quality of ingredients. I want a different thing. Then I'm very sorry. You're nodding as if that makes sense. It's, but, uh. for, no, for sure. It's, it's, again, like, I, and I think it's totally fair to say when HBO started, like, we're not in the era of like Sopranos anymore. This is not. It's not the same network. It's also sure. just not the same world. HBO Max has to go head to head with other streaming services, and if they miss and they don't come up with something new, they don't reinvent the image a little bit to get people super hyped on their new stuff. They will fall behind. They know that, so they're going to have to swing for the fences with this one way or another. I just don't think. I don't think that making this a Berlanti-style CW show on HBO makes any sense. I don't think that's what people are going to watch this for. Just my opinion. I think there will be something inherently different. I, I certainly imagine that the resources he will be afforded to make this show are probably going to be on a different scale. And sure. that will likely be seen, as you're hoping, in the final product. Uh, as much as I hope it also has all the stuff that I love from the Berlanti-verse that we talk about. The, the love for the medium. The surprises. Oh, and uh, I, I definitely yeah. think his love for comics is apparent. I'm not worried about Berlanti's take. I'm worried about the tone. And I, I, I'm not I'm so excited. Like, Berlanti making the show is great. It was just announced as it develops. We're also going to talk about the insane Strange Adventures anthology as it develops, which we didn't even have time to dive into because we don't know what it is. But it's not the comic that's coming out next year from Tom King. Which you should also read, but it's probably unrelated. Very tricky. Very tricky stuff. Lots of content. Ben, where can they find the internet, man? Uh, you guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter and Instagram. I have a brand called Action Industries that I do with Andrew Guy, who's my co-host on a Collider show that we do called The Action Guys every single week. So you guys can go check that show out if you're interested in what I'm doing. Hell yeah. And I'll be back because I love doing action movie stuff with you guys. Thank and you for until on. next week here, stay sweaty. Stay sweaty. Do we make that?
Stay little chico, pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Orangutans. They're beautiful, playful, and majestic, and disappearing. Every day, as many as 20 orangutans vanish. They starve to death when their homes are destroyed or are killed when they stray into villages in search of food. International Animal Rescue is fighting for the survival of the critically endangered orangutan. But we can't do it without you. Please visit internationalanimalrescue.org and help us save orangutans before it's too late. That's internationalanimalrescue.org. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, while supplies last, offer ends 831 20.